1981. Interesting he mentions that because it was around that time when I was over my friend's house and uh, getting ready for church. Some of you heard the story. I've told this recently, so I'll, I'll condense it a little bit. But I, I heard somebody teach, and I'd just given my life to the Lord in uh, September, right around there in 1980, short time after that, early 81, while uh, Steve is pastoring. Of course, I didn't know him until here just recently. But years ago, what were y'all doing in 1981? You remember what you were doing? <laughs> Amen. It's like, don't say, if you weren't born, don't say anything to me. <laughs> but um, I was over at a friend's house getting ready for church, and I listened to a man teach. For the first time I heard somebody teach like this, he was teaching faith. His name was Fred Price. And it was, uh, it was out of this series right here, and I brought it out, the California Regional Faith Convention in Anaheim, and uh, boy, I, I, was, I, I would say 1980 and 1981 series, but, but it, I had it wrong. It's actually, this is the 79 Regional Faith Convention, but, but this was around 81 when I, I heard these, this man teaching from this series, and I wanted to know, man, where did he get that? So I went on vacation, basically, to get this series of tapes because they were in Tulsa. And at the time, before Carla, before Carla, I was single. Uh, a girl came through the church with the Souls of Fire uh, singing group founded uh, by Carlton Pearson. He founded this thing. And, and so, but they had, they had traveled and singing, and they came to the church, and I met this girl, and I went out there to see her. But the main reason I was going to see, get these tapes, see. And I had her suffering, and we were in the library, found a place where we could listen to them. And what I did is I went to, uh, I found out where they were. I didn't know anything. These speakers, Kenneth Hagen, this is Fred Price, Kenneth Copeland, John Osteen, which is Joe's father, and, and uh, Ken Hagen, Jr. Okay. John had been went on to be with the Lord, but uh, I went to get these tapes. I didn't know anything about anybody, but the one speaker who I heard uh, teaching on that cassette tape, and 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 it's what he was teaching that those cassettes were in here. So I went to Tulsa. Went to the this is before they had Raymond Bible Church. I went to the office and I asked for uh, these this set of tapes. I knew what they were. I asked for them. It was 79 Regional Faith Convention. They said, well, sir, we don't have, I didn't realize at that time, they only had tapes of the um, convention available at the convention. After that, they didn't have it available. So I, uh, but they said, there's all these wonderful tapes by Kenneth Hagin. I didn't know anything about Kenneth Hagin. I just wanted that series. And I was pretty persistent. Okay. I can be very persistent when I want something. So, uh, and they were, and I, and I guess, you know, I, I must have looked sad and disappointed. They said, well, the reception said, well, let me, uh, hold on, let me just see what I can do. And she made a call and somebody in the warehouse. And, and so, waited and waited and waited. And after a while, 
somebody came in the office and they had this set of tapes that I'm holding right here. And boy, you, you would have thought somebody brought me a million dollars because this was worth, you couldn't even put a price on it. It was better than a million dollars. And boy, I had that girl we suffered, she suffered through uh, just had listening to tapes. She suffered through it because, you know, she she's so interested in me. She'd do whatever. You know, you, 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 you know, when you just got it, you just got it like that, you know. So um, anyway, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm in there and I'm taking notes. I still have a note somewhere. I was taking detailed notes. I went straight to those tapes. Those enemies, it's called the enemies of faith. Why am I saying that? Because that's the one I'm going to teach today. I've taught it before, but I know more now than I knew then. Amen. And so I'm going to teach on the enemies of faith today. All right. Praise God. I'm excited about that. I haven't, teach, haven't taught it in a very long time. So y'all ready to go? Praise God. Did you enjoy that testimony by the, the Pettises? That's just awesome. It blessed me. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about faith's greatest enemies or, or the enemies of faith. And, and today, um, I think we'll talk about maybe four enemies and maybe more. Uh, I may add to it. Praise God. So, uh, Again, I know a whole lot more now than I knew then, but that's how I cut my teeth into uh, the word of faith, man. understanding how faith works and so forth. And it changed my life. And that's why I was so excited about getting my hands on this tape, because I never heard anybody teach on faith before, man. And it totally revolutionized my life. We're going to begin in Hosea chapter 4. In verse 6, the enemy number one is a lack of knowledge of the word of Christ. Everybody say lack of knowledge. In Hosea 4, 6 says, my people, this is talking about God's people. Oh, my goodness. The people of God, not people of the world, but God's people are destroyed. Not because they don't love him. Not, not because they don't love God, they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge that I'm talking about is a lack of knowledge of the word of Christ. See, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I'm quoting that from the ESV. Now, the, the, the ESV and the NIV come, come from the most ancient Greek manuscripts. And actually, I didn't discover this until a few years ago. I thought every translation came from the same Greek manuscript, but actually they come from different manuscripts. And you can look up, like in the New King James, and you look up the word for, um, it's translated God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of of God, it's actually the, the, the Greek word for God. However, if you look at other Greek manuscripts, like what the 
NIV and ESV is taken from, that word is not the word for God. It's, it's the word Christos, which is Christ, which is more accurate because, see, we need to read the Bible, the whole Bible. See, sometimes people think, well, we're under grace and we just throw away the Old Testament. You never heard me say that. See, this, this, see it's about preaching Christ. See, and Jesus is in every book of the Bible. See, well, I thought you said we're not under the law. See, you're, you're, you're combining two different things. We, we are not under the law. But the Old Testament has more than the law. Okay? Um, Abraham lived before the law. Okay? So there's a lot to learn. And even in the law, the things in the Old Testament were types and shadows. Okay? Like the... Um, the tabernacle system, okay, during the law period was a picture of Jesus. The whole thing with the, the, the animal sacrifice and how the, the, the priest would receive from the offerer a lamb and he would inspect that lamb and that lamb would have to be spotless and had to be perfect. Who is that a picture of? That's a picture of Jesus, okay? And when the offerer brought the... Uh, lamb to the priest, the priest would do what? Ex who, who would the priest inspect? Class? See, the priest didn't, ex didn't inspect the offerer. The offerer didn't need to be perfect. The offerer was not perfect. The offerer had sin. But the priest examined the lamb. And that's a picture of Jesus, and that's for us today because when, when you sin, he's not looking at you and what you did. He sees Jesus, the lamb, who was slain before the foundation of the world. I'm preaching here. Okay, so, amen. <laughs> uh, when, when they were sick, I think it's in Numbers, uh, and the scripture says, Whoever looked upon the brazen serpent will live. Like a serpent on a pole. What was that? That's Jesus. Why is a serpent representing Jesus? Ooh. Well, he became sin for us on the cross. Amen. And he said, whoever looks, a picture of the cross will live. When you look at the cross... If, you, if you're sick today, when you look upon Jesus, who took your sicknesses on the cross, he took your sin and your sicknesses. When you look upon Jesus and that brazen serpent on the pole was a type of Jesus on the cross, taking your sicknesses and your sin. Praise God, we are forgiven. Hallelujah. See, so that's Old Testament. That's, that's an example. But see, we've got to look at the Bible through the lens of the finished work. And that's something I just discovered five years ago or so. When I got a revelation of grace and I start seeing things through the finished work of Jesus, 
it just turned everything around for me. See, so faith comes by hearing. See, the scripture is all about Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I forgot to put that in your notes, but just write that down. Look at it in the ESV, English Standard Version. Other translations translations say basically the same thing. It's hearing through the word of Christos, Christ. Amen. So that will help you understand the Bible, and you're looking at it through the finished work. It is a finished work. Your, your forgiveness is a finished work. See, in the Old Testament, see, when you're looking at it through the lens of grace, it talks about that, 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 that he'll visit your sins into the third and fourth generation. Thou no means uh, clear the guilty or let the guilty off, but I'm going to visit your sins. You know, that's still preached today. It's amazing. It's amazing how people still preach the law. And then on the other hand, they'll say, Jesus loves you. Yes, the Lord will visit your sins in the third and fourth generation. I talked about that last week. That's the, that's the law. That's the old covenant. We have a new covenant. So when you're looking at that through the finished work, you're saying, okay, that was for that people at that time, people that were un, under, under the law. But for us, he doesn't remember your sins. He said, I will be merciful to your unrighteousness and your sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. No mas. There's no remembrance of our sin. He doesn't remember the sin you committed yesterday. In fact, I'm not thinking about sin. Oh, what a way to live. When he looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. He sees you beautiful and that, that everything about you is beautiful and there is, there is nothing at all wrong with you. But a lot of God's people don't know that and they're being destroyed in their lives because of what? A lack of knowledge of these things. They're not seeing things through, through the, the finished work of Jesus. Jesus on the cross said, said, it is finished. But a lot of preachers, and that's where the congregation gets it from, from preachers, they're acting like, well, he started it. See, we start complete. We start at the finish line. What do I mean by that? We are complete. The scripture says we are complete in him. A lot of preachers are like, it ain't, it ain't finished till I say it's finished. <laughs> they don't preach that, but they act like that. Jesus not going back to the cross. I mean, this thing was so, it was so perfect, it, it ain't even funny. That's why this gospel, it, it sounds too good to be true, that we don't have to do nothing. 
because man and flesh always wants to do something. He finished it. I said he finished it. I have to keep repeating things because people, they go on, they'll hear it, but then they'll go acting like and preaching like and talking like and living like he didn't finish it, that we got to do something. <laughs> the disciples asked, what must we do to do the works of God? People just skip over that. I skipped over it for years. Okay, and I said, I'm not throwing no rocks. Amen. Temptations used to say, if you're living in a glass house, don't throw no stone. Like that guy with that, that, deep, that deep voice, I like him. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks. Amen. But I used to look over stuff. Like, it's, it's really easy to look over when um, the, the uh, disciples, what must we do to do the works of God? Believe on him whom he sent. Like, believe in me. That's the work. Bottom line, end of story, case closed. It's finished. He did it. We just kicked back. And drink you a cup of tea, man. The simple gospel. Jesus plus nothing. Coke zero, man. <laughs> Why did I say that? Okay, so, but is Jesus zero? Like, it's, it's, he don't need anything. It's Jesus plus zero equals everything. The covenant, listen, the covenant was between God and Jesus. It's really a continuation of the Abrahamic covenant. You remember when God gave a promise to Abraham, he'd be the father of many nations, man, his, his, his um, descendants would be like the sands of the sea and all that kind of stuff. And God was going to have a, a multitude come out, come out of him and his wife, Sarah. And when God cut that covenant, it was like... Uh, God put Abraham to sleep. He told Abraham to, to bring him the animals, and the animals were split in two. Okay. Um, and then what happened was he put, now, what Abraham, now all he had to do was just bring him the animals. See, God was going to do everything. But you know what Abraham did? He tried to help God. He tried to shoot the birds away. And God's like, you know, I didn't tell you to do that. He just, God just put him to sleep. I'm just going to put this dude to sleep. And that's very significant because God wanted him to rest while he worked. And what happened was that was God and Jesus that went, did a figure eight around those pieces, which was a covenant, all right? God representing himself, Jesus representing man. 
That he was representing Abraham, who represents us. Okay. So he put him to sleep. He didn't have anything to do with it. Hebrews talks about it, Hebrews 6, by two immutable things. I believe it's verse 8, 18. Go to it real quick. By two immutable things, you know, when he was discussing that uh, story I just told you, when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. <laughs> Isn't that something? God, he can't swear by anybody greater. He just swears by himself. Saying, surely blessing. Say surely. See, what does that, what Abraham have to do with us? Because you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. According to this promise. So what, what we have in grace is a continuation of this Abrahamic covenant that he says, surely blessing, I will bless you. It's just a sure thing that you have victory. Whatever you're dealing with, if you need a financial manifestation, I'm telling you, child of God, it is a sure thing. You can just rest. You don't have to shoo no devil away. He is defeated. You just rest. You stand your ground, having done all to stand. You know, so many people wrestling with the devil. You know what? He mentioned stand over and over again, three, four times. I remember, um, in, in, I'll skip over there real quick. I'm going to show you this. Uh, he only mentioned uh, wrestle one time. You can count for me. Y'all can count, can't you? Huh? Anybody go to Southside? I don't trust anybody else. You can just count and count. Okay. So... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You're going to have a day of attack. See, that's the evil day. But put on the armor of God that you may withstand, say withstand, in the evil day and having done all the what? Stand. How many times that? Okay. Stand. See, she didn't go to South Side. So... I asked how many times? Withstand, stand, stand there for three times. Okay? Verse 12 talks about we wrestle. Wrestle once, stand three times. But you know what? People that are, that don't read the Bible through the, the lens of the finished work, they focus on the wrestling. Oh, we're struggling. No, we're not in struggle. We're in rest. We always have to continue to struggle. Church people. What? It's finished. It really is. Somebody say, it really is finished. Tell me, tell me this. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But according to, to, to the Bible, according to in light of what I just shared with you from the scripture, if it's finished, do you struggle? 
Only if Jesus struggles. If you see him struggling, if, if you see him struggling, then we struggle. But we don't struggle because he finished it. He took care of it. Surely, surely blessing I will bless you and multiply. I'm, I'm still, he's still referencing the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, is referencing that back in Genesis when God cut that covenant with Abraham. When, when Abraham was not involved. Surely blessing I will bless you, bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath of confirmation is for them an end of all strife. Thus God determining, God is, a, is determined to show, I'm just coming, I, I, I just feel like coming, busting loose up in here. God determining to show more abundantly. I'm in, I'm all off course here, but I'm on course, so. I'm in Hebrews 6. Determining God to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. I just told you who that was. We're heirs. He was showing it to them, but he's showing it to us. Man, I wish somebody would get excited with me. If you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, and we're heirs. So he's talking to us to show us the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by true immutable things. Who is that? That's God and Jesus. It is impossible for God to lie. I'm telling you, it's impossible for God to do anything but bless you. Is it, it is, when you understand what this blood covenant that we have with God, this covenant of grace, you will understand that it is impossible for God to do anything other than what he says in his word. It's not a question of whether or not you'll be healed. Having stunt, done all, stand, don't wrestle, stand. Because there's nothing the devil can do to you. Those people, those people that threaten you, people on a job, that there's nothing that they can do to you. I'm a witness. To, I'm telling you, there's nothing that they can do. And if they don't repent, they don't turn around, and, you know, they'll get jacked up now. Because I'm, I'm telling you, these, these folks that, I mean, uh, if they don't turn around, because y'all don't wish nothing, nothing bad on people. But see, God, God will defend you. I don't mind, man. I'm telling you, he'll defend you. Woo! The covenant's between God and Jesus. And you know what? God is so merciful. Right after God cut that covenant, Abraham went out and had a, a, a Ishmael. Because he and Sarah had this bright idea, and, and Abraham bought into it that to sleep with, with uh, her maid because they tried to help him. They didn't try to, they didn't try to H-C-L-P, they tried to help him. Y'all know about trying to help, yeah, any of y'all try to help the situation? God is so merciful, man. 
But see, you just get back focused on Jesus. Right after that. This is not how God wanted them to have children. They figured that out. And they had Ishmael. Because they looked at themselves and they thought they was too old and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? God just waited on them and waited and just waited till they got through. And that God will do that in your own life. I mean, as long as you want to keep handling stuff, as long as you want to keep holding on to the thing and not let go and let God and just do it yourself, then um, he'll let you do it. Yeah, just kick back and rest while you work. As long as you keep working, he'll keep resting. That's why I told you, when you get to the end of yourself, and you quit, and just let go. See, finally God, God waited till Abraham was about 100 years old, he and, 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 and Sarah. All the Viagra and the Cialis in the world couldn't help them then, have no kids. And it was as if God said, okay, are you finished? He came to the end of himself. Sarah became pregnant. Supernaturally. Amen. They did have sex now. But God was able to work through those reproductive organs. Amen. Somebody told me I, I, uh, I guess they weren't ready to have children at that time. I'm not gonna mention their name, but it was so cute. Came up to me, just looked at me, and was like bewilderment, bewilderment on their face, like, Pastor, I don't, I don't know how it happened. When she got pregnant. Say, like, I know how it happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody ever been there? You, you, mm-hmm. And sometimes people say, well, Pastor, I was believing we weren't, we won't have a child right now. Now, see, that's, that's a whole nother series. Faith and his foolishness and presumption. Amen. <laughs> the clock went off. What does that mean? Okay. Uh, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let's just jump into this a little bit before we before I let you go. In Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day. Now, let, let me let me just go back here to talk about a little bit, some things that um, people don't think about a lot. When we talk about the Old Testament, and, and just because we're under grace, that doesn't mean we throw away the Old Testament. No, this is a, a wonderful. We, we teach the whole Bible, but we teach it again through the finished work of Jesus. This, thing, this is obvious, but sometimes, you know, when you're reading the Bible, you really don't think about it. Um, I mean, I didn't really think about it that much. But when Paul was preaching, what did he really preach? 
Paul didn't preach out of Ephesians. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Paul, I mean, he wrote Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians. But, but so what they preached Christ. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, Philip went into the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So what did they have? First John? <laughs> they taught them out of the Old Testament scriptures. So Jesus has to be in the Old Testament. The New Covenant tells us that things in the Old Testament were, were written for our learning. The types and their shadows. Amen. You read the Bible differently when, when you read it through the lens of the finished work. I used to, I did not like reading Leviticus until I understood the finished work. I thought, oh, Leviticus, oh, man, man. I didn't understand that stuff. Now, when you see Jesus in the scriptures, it, it opens up. Now, that brings us to this. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, this is after Jesus' resurrection. So it was, while they conversed reason, that Jesus himself drew near. Jesus just rolled up on them. Wonderful. Their eyes were restrained, and they didn't know who he was. Now, this is, say, after the resurrection. Say it. Say, after the resurrection. Okay. So, Jesus drew near and went with them, but their eyes, verse 16, but their eyes were what? Restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, I, I love this. Jesus is having a little fun with them. He said, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Now, they're sad. Why? Because all this thing, you know, that Jesus told them that he would die and that, that, that he'd, he'd come back. And they're sad. Because they didn't know, man, he said he was going to be raised from the dead, all this kind of stuff. And where is it? Then one of these, one of whose name, it doesn't give us both his name, but one of the guys' name was Cleophas. Cleophas answered and said to him, like, dude, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Like, where have you been? <laughs> right? <laughs> and have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? Check out Jesus' response. What y'all talking about? That's basically what he says. What thing? So they said to him, the, the thing concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Can you imagine that conversation? The, the, the thing concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. Jesus is playing dumb with him. Next verse. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Next verse. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. 
Next verse. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they could not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Next verse. And certain of us who were with us, certain of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, <laughs> and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus, he's teaching here. He's like, ought not the Christ to have, so he's, he's talking in the third person. Ought not the Christ who ha, to, uh, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And begin, well, here's what I want you to see. We'll close with this. I think about all the things that I've been teaching you up to this point. And beginning at Moses, what was Moses? First five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. Okay. Beginning at Genesis. And then the prophets. Isaiah. Jeremiah. Ezekiel. Daniel. Okay. He expounded them in some of the scriptures. All of the scriptures. Wouldn't you have wanted to be on that seven-mile walk. That is something. That's something. I want to see that DVD or whatever the latest technology is in heaven when, when I get there. I, 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 I want to see that and listen and hear. I want to still learn in heaven because we're not going to know it all here. I want to see Jesus expounding in all the scriptures. Now, what did he expound on? The things concerning himself. So don't you think that's important? Jesus is telling you right here. Forget what preachers say, me or anybody else. This Jesus is telling us what is the most important thing to learn in the scriptures. It is the things concerning himself. So I'm not making this stuff up. Seeing the Bible through the lens of the finished work of Jesus. And isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't just roll up on him and say, dude, it's me. I'm back. I wish I had an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Back. So, no. Listen, why bother? Jesus, why bother showing them in the scriptures and you're standing right there? That's a doozy for you. I'm going to let that marinate. Think about that. I mean, we can think about that all day. Why? This tells you how important your reading of the scriptures is. Jesus See, people are looking for visions and, and voices and people speaking to them. That's not the way that God wants you to learn him. He's standing right there 
Jesus didn't need. This is the word. He's the word. Why bother opening up anything if it wasn't important? It also tells you, he's telling us how to read the Bible, and he's telling you how important the scriptures are. He's telling you how he wants you to see him. People will get so excited. Man, Jesus appeared at the foot of my bed, man. And people get all hung up and caught up and mesmerized and excited when hear, people hear their testimonies as Jesus appeared to them. And like, oh, man, I wish he appeared to me. You're missing it. Dust that Bible off that coffee table and, and shut them games, angry birds off once in a while on that phone. And if it's a really smart phone, you'll have the Bible on it. Amen. That's the number one reason you should give that flip phone up. You get you a, a phone that has some apps so you can pull up the, 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 the scriptures. You can have it's a beautiful tool, the phone. You can pull it up at any time and, and pull out your phone. And, and somebody's bothering, at you, bothering with you at work, and you can pull, pull out and you can start seeing Jesus. You have 24-7 access. Because that's, that's what it does. It keeps you Jesus-centered. When you're seeing Jesus in the scriptures, man, it's going to, you're, you're seeing yourself in a mirror. You're, you're seeing yourself the way that God sees you. Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm so full today. Do you realize what we have in the word of God? I've never taught enemies faith like this before. Failure. I mean, uh, I was, that's another enemy. But <laughs> I was about to quote another enemy. But enemy number one, lack of knowledge. Or an ignorance of the word of God, the, the word, specifically the word of Christ. Amen. Once you see the Bible through the finished work, it changes everything. Then not, now you're not trying to wait to get healed, you realize you already are healed. You're not waiting to be successful, you realize you're already successful.